Hi and welcome to Nollywood Film Club. I'm Mr. C of Eroka Critic. I hope you're doing well. I am recording on a slightly new device, so apologies if the audio isn't as good as it usually is. Um, oh, anyway, this episode, uh, we're doing something slightly different. Uh, we are basically completing a trilogy. Um, as you can see from the title, we're still on Madame Koi Koi. Um, but uh, it's slightly something slightly different. I do appreciate when filmmakers uh, take the hot seat and come to discuss with uh, with us. So I just hope you enjoy our interview with Michael Indiomo. Um But welcome to Nollywood Film Club, everyone. Um, I am on here with um, Michael Indiomo. Um We have a different. We have a different thing going on today. Uh, usually, we do have um, we do discuss Nollywood movies, TV shows, have conversations. I guess this kind of a conversation um, every week discussing a Nollywood film. Um, but today, we do have uh, the one of the producers of um, the origins, Madame Koi Koi, and uh, so there are a lot of questions uh, we're going to go through. Just a few, but hopefully, we should be done within half an hour from from my side and then we'll open it up for the audience to have um, a, a Q&A so this should be a relatively short one so uh, but thanks Michael for joining us um, uh, <clears throat> are you um, I have are you um, are you are you ready for the interview to begin really you're ready yeah I'm ready all right, thank you. All right, so first of all, I was I noticed that uh, I noticed that you were a banker. So I've heard of many interesting professional transitions um, to Nollywood. Can you discuss what motivated your transitioning from going from banking to Nollywood? Okay, so um, first, the, it, the, it wasn't a transition from banking to Nollywood in that sense. Um, I had left banking in 2015, and um, I mean, let's just say I was disillusioned with my employer at the time, and um, so <clears throat> I had taken a break, and then I went to film school. Uh, but be before I went to film school, I had um, uh, what's the word? I was watching TV one night, and I saw these cases of kidnapping in the north. And um, I had just put my daughter to bed. And uh, so I was thinking, right, um, if this happens to me, if, you know, my daughter is kidnapped, um, what was I willing to do? And so I had this idea for a story and I sat down and I started typing on my computer. And by 2 a.m. the next morning, I had finished writing it. And then I approached a few people I knew who were, filmmakers and said oh um, i'd like to see how we can make this into a movie and um, i didn't i didn't get any headway i spoke to a few people okay can i put money in your film so that i can learn the process of filmmaking because i think this will be a good story it didn't happen so i ended up going to film school new york film academy um then i came back and the next i set up a film company and yeah, I did a few things. I went back into banking, incidentally, in 2018 for some consulting um, and then helped somebody set up a bank in 2020. But again, I never lost, lost my passion for filmmaking and storytelling generally. So I've, I've been writing stories. I've written one novel I'm about to publish. Um, I've written several short stories and, and, and all that. I've done some, I've done a cooking show. I've done a, a web series. I've done a reality TV show for in vivo, right? And then I wanted to make a feature. And in the 2021 AFRIF, I met Jay Franklin Jitubo, who's the writer and director. And we spent quite a bit of time together. And by December of that year, we looked through all the stories we wanted to do. And we decided, okay, let's, let's start with this one. Uh, so we have several projects we are going to work on together. And um, so we decided to start start with this one. So in a nutshell, that's how I got to, um, you know, where we are today. And I started making movies. So, yeah, that's that's it. 
Okay, no, thanks. Uh, that you've actually touched on a couple of other things that um, I wanted to ask you about. So you know, you've written, you've produced, you've directed, and I think you've, you've, I think you've uh, acted before. Um, uh, is there any particular area you like to focus on? Are you settled in in the producer role, or are you just happy trying new, new, uh, different, different things in uh, in filmmaking? Okay, so I think my natural fit is the producer role um, because producing essentially involves uh, choosing the right stories and getting the right resources uh, to uh, produce the content at the quality you want and then take it to market. So in that sense, I think, and of course funding it, in that sense, I think I am better suited uh, for that. Uh, so I work with people who are much better than me in the other areas. Um, so script writing, directing. I've written a few scripts myself, you know, which um, I always um, work with several writers that I respect. And uh, even after I finish writing, I send to them, they tear it apart, you know, and we keep working and working and working. Um, the film I want to do next, um, well, the, well, like what version nine of the current iteration of the story. Um, something I've been working on for years and yeah, so we'll shoot next year but I think my natural um, position uh, for want of a better word is producing Okay um, Okay um, Yeah, so uh, that yeah, talking about working about people who are uh, um, better yourself it actually reminded me of something he also said in an interview where I think he said that there are people in Nigeria that if you pay them enough will we'll do things to to a quite I think he said you want to international level but let me even just take it as as a high level do we genuinely do you still hold that do you believe that like Nigeria is, uh, is filled with um, that kind of uh, talent and uh, in filmmaking talented filmmakers I, I believe nigeria has talented filmmakers i i personally believe that the, you will rarely find any field of endeavor that you you don't have very very talented and experienced nigerians um i mean everywhere you go in this world you see nigerians you go to a film festival there's actually never and uh, there's never been a film festival i went to that nigerians either working out of africa or working out of the rest of the world um aren't you know racking up awards and racking up um, praises you know i mean whether you're talking of art house films you're talking of commercial films check you'll see nigerians i mean i'm watching netflix i'm watching amazon you go through the credits you're seeing nigerians right so i personally believe we have the people but you need to learn how to manage your people. You need to treat your people right. You need to give them the tools they need. Uh, and then first, you also need to be sure of exactly what you want, exactly what you are trying to accomplish, right? So that you don't, one, end up wasting money. Two, you don't spend the money and get a substandard product. I mean, we've seen films that people say, oh, they spent X amount of money and then you see the outcome and then you're wondering like, what the heck is this? You know, so yeah. I believe we have the people and I believe we can do good stuff in Nigeria by Nigerians. Yes. Okay. Uh, so one of the other, I guess, things that is, it feels like it's a taboo in Nigeria to uh, discuss budgets. And honestly, the reason, one of the reasons why I ask is for your movie, especially uh, well for um, the origins, Madame Koi Koi. Um, it's one of, it really looked like one of the it's one of the nicest movies that um, that I've we've seen this year, um, both in terms of set and just the general visual look. And it's weird because like usually we would think for a film of that kind of that looked that good that we would have heard so much about it either in terms of uh, you know the the money they've spent or. Uh, it's usually coming from filmmakers that have been in the industry for a while. And so like, they even like, they don't have to do that much marketing and stuff. So I guess like, what does it take for um, people who are relatively not big game players? What kind of budget are we talking about? What's the range for, 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 for people who aren't in that range to achieve that kind of look? Um, 
money-wise? Um, okay, so first, um, this was a project by two people who really, really believed in this story. Um, I mean, as you know, Madame Koi Koi is something, I mean, lots of us grew up with. Of course, I never saw Madame Koi Koi myself, but my sister will swear that you know she heard um, the footsteps. Um, so we wanted to do something that will be a statement. So when you look at the sets in Madame Koi Koi, I mean, you look at the Obas Palace, you look at the shrine, we built everything, right? The furniture, when Baba Wale and Pajimi uh, were talking, we built that all that furniture. Um, the hostels, we... We, we we bought um, all those beds, you know, those bunk beds, the mattresses, right? Um, we had a crew of 85 people. Grip alone was 12 people. Um, a camera team was, what, 15, right? Um, we wanted it to look that good. We needed it to look that good. So we... I mean, we spared no expense. I mean, this took two years of my life. This this took running in the middle of shoot, me running back to Lagos, you know, to go raise more money. Because, I mean, we were spending um, 1.2 million a day on hotels alone. Right. Um, so it cost a pretty penny. Um, in terms of how much specifically, um, I mean... Not sure my other my my executive producers will be what happy the, with what me. About range? But, what about uh, range? Uh, do do you have a range for us like between eighty to one hundred fifty million? <laughs> anywhere? Eighty. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying for this thing okay, so that so, it can cover it can cover any any this thing. No, no, no. So I mean, I mean. So it was between two and three hundred millionaire. Wow. Okay. That actually. Then no, actually, it it wasn't supposed to be that high, right? It wasn't supposed to be that high. But if you remember, we shot this film in uh, May between May and June last year. We were supposed by the time we made the initial budget, it was about a hundred. But then diesel prices went up. I don't know if you remember around March last year. Diesel prices went up, and I mean, everybody just added money to their bills. Um, so, but we had to just go and start. As at the time we were we were mobilizing to go to Abiokuta, we had we had what fifty million, right? But we had to move, so we moved. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, in the middle of shoot, I had to run back to Lagos. I had to go and you know hold some of my friends and family and. My former, actually, one of my former bosses, I, I went to his house and I said, Oga, oh <laughs> you people cannot let shame catch me, right? So give me money. And even after shoot, uh, because we had an extension, right? Um, I mean, I, and you know what happens when you extend a shoot. Um, something else to note, because we were shooting in Abiokuta, a lot of the equipment, you know, is not available in Abiokuta. So we had to go with everything, right? So... And then, of course, you know, your schedule may change. So we had to go with everything. So a, a car rig that you may only need to shoot for two days, we had to have it there. Um, your cranes, your jeeps, your your drones, everything we had to have. Um, your steady cam and your steady cam operator, you know how much those people charge, the good ones. Um, and then our our gaffer, I mean, easy, fantastic guy. We We, we fought every day, right? Um, there are days when the guy wants to he's setting up a scene he's taking six hours right for a scene that when you see it in the movie max four minutes right this guy is saying no baba give me time i need to do it i need to do it. so i mean it cost more than we planned but at the end of the day i am i'm really really happy with with um uh, you know the final thing we did i mean i mean look at the SFX um, and the VFX, right? These things cost money. But again, what I'll tell you is, we did everything in Nigeria. We did all. Everybody we worked with were Nigerians. We made original music for this film. Um, certain certain sets, 
I mean, we had to build twice, right? Because of actor schedule, somebody had to leave. Um, there are times that we had to use body doubles to shoot certain scenes again. So we had to recreate the entire scene. We had to recreate the, the specific lights, lighting conditions and all that. So, um, so yes, so that, that was, that was the, the budget, you know, and um, actually it wasn't the budget, actually what we spent. Uh, yeah. I even mentioned in one interview that we couldn't pay some of the actors, right? So, um, the agreement we had with some of the actors, some of the bigger actors was, okay, we'll pay you your balance. We'll pay you this much out of your balance. And then, you know, when we get, when we, when we sell, we, we, we pay you your balance. So, yes. So that's, that's what we did just so that we could, uh, make this film. And yeah. again, the director owns a, a 5.1 Dolby audio sound, um, post-production facility. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, all the post-production work, the sound work, everything was done there. So these these are these are all additional costs that did not even go into the cash we spent. You get. So yeah, yeah. I, I as the producer, I still haven't been paid. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been paid my fees. Right. right. So, so yeah, but we 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 built all those sets. The classrooms again. We had to put louver blades. We had to paint and then age the paint so it doesn't look like brand new. Uh, you know that the costumes, the costumes. That school is actually is an actual school, but of course you can't use their uniform, right? So we had four six tailors on set, uh, making those costumes, making those uniforms for all those students. You see, all those students, you see, they were all extras. They had to be paid. They had to be fed. Um, I mean, I mean, this is a Biokota. You tell them to come by 12 noon, they'll come by 8. So they'll eat morning, they'll eat afternoon, they'll eat night, you know. So, I mean, these things, these costs just add up. Yeah. Right. It sounds like you're, you're technically one of the investors. So, uh, but I was going to ask... Um, and we'll come to audience feedback, but like, what has been like your investor feedback been like? Uh, investors, <laughs> investors are investors. They're looking for return on investment, you know. So, um, they waited, you know. Okay, when is this thing? When are we getting paid? When are we getting paid? When are we getting paid? When, I mean, because we made, we shot this film last year. By uh, post production, took six months. Right. And um, so by December, January, the film was ready. We had sent it out to uh, the streamers. Uh, and then we got feedback. Oh, we like it. We love it. Oh, we don't like it. It's too long. It's too this. It's too that. It's too scary. It's, you know. And then, of course, the investors will be putting pressure on me. Yeah, right. And I mean, I, had, I also had bank loans. Right. <laughs> also had bank loans which I, I was servicing the interest, right? So, I mean, personally, they, I mean, it had to be on my name. So all of that was going on. Investors were, I mean, investors need their money. But right now, with, the, with what has happened with the response by the audience to the film, because they're all very happy now, but trust me, they weren't happy four months ago, you know. Right. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, a, a lot of time uh, has uh, went into this uh, for after you've you've you know you've we've wrapped up production and you're thinking about uh how to distribute now uh, so what were the options that were on the table and like how did you finally end up with netflix or was netflix always the um was netflix always the uh ending point for you no, so for us from day one, it was always um, international streamer. We never planned for this film to go to Nigerian cinema, and the reason is simple. Um, I used to own cinemas, right? I used to I used to own cinemas, and I know the the unit economics does not work. If your film costs more than thirty million naira to make in Nigeria, don't take it to cinema. You're going to lose money. Um, and this was this was last year's numbers. Today, with the numbers we see this year, uh, I mean, it's 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 even more risky, right? So, cinema was never an option. It was always it was always um, Netflix or Amazon or Paramount. Um, now, 
as it turns out, Netflix closed the deal, you know. And so, yeah, here we are. So um, even like in landing, you, you talk about international streamers, but even like in landing on Netflix as opposed to Amazon Prime, is that a is that like just a business decision or is that uh, maybe something else in terms of uh, eyeballs that could potentially get on your um on on you know on your on your on your film or is there anything else that goes into that just just is that just business um so it's a bit of both i mean as we all know netflix is netflix right uh, however amazon's got the big box um but as the negotiations went on um netflix was more keen on this uh, we found out later you know, as I'm sure you are aware, Netflix had their own uh, Madame Koi Koi already on fire, you know, so the soup, <laughs> the soup was almost ready. Sorry, Amazon, Amazon had their, had their own uh, uh, Madame Koi Koi origin story, uh, which is done by, which was done by Nemsia, B.B. Shashore's company, great guy, great, great filmmaker, you know, uh, so I, I mean, I understood why they weren't as eager as, as a Netflix it so um so yes i would say it was a business decision and netflix was simply more eager to push ahead with the negotiations and so we closed with netflix and then netflix wanted it for halloween right so so yeah that's why we went for netflix okay that, that makes sense um in terms of uh um the it being a two-parter uh and then this kind of weird uh, series thing is there was, again was that always the plan um it, it reminds okay. me of okay, okay. No, it wasn't. no it wasn't <laughs> no it wasn't and i think if you if you've watched it it should be clear to you i mean for somebody like you i'm sure you figured it out already right, right? yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't it's not a series it was it was never a, it was so we shot this film because i mean i i read the script like 10 times right um so after we shot it the first edit right was one long film and then jay jay franklin the director goes hmm, let's switch this up a bit right and let's make it like you know like one of these quentin tarantino things where chapter one you know this happens and chapter two this happens so that's how we then split it uh so it was it's one film right so the chapter one is the um um the awakening Right, and chapter two is the um, Emir song, the spirit of vengeance. So we cut it as one film with two chapters. Uh, however, when we closed the deal with Netflix, they said hmm, for Halloween they would like us to separate it into two, into two parts, as in actual sep separate parts, and then they will release one part in, um, on the on the thirty first. That's Halloween, and then the second part on the second on the seventh of uh, November. Uh, again, they were looking at, I'm, I'm sure they had the data and they were looking at audience attention and, you know, the length of the film. The whole thing is about three hours, um, 18 minutes. Um, I guess they felt that mm, you are not Martin Scorsese. Nobody's going to sit and watch the film for three hours, right? So, so they made that call and I think we agreed with it. And, but I mean, if you look at Netflix now, we're still number one. So I guess it now worked out for us because people will go watch part one, go watch part two, then go back and watch part one and two together. And, you know, yeah. So again, to answer the question directly, no, that's not how the script was written. But um, by the time you're having the uh, commercial negotiations, I mean, you have to be realistic. So yes, this is how it turned out. Okay. Um, uh, uh, and how does a... What does marketing for a Netflix series uh, feel like as opposed to, you know, you've worked on other So for Netflix films, right, um, it's, it's quite interesting. You, so this wasn't an acquisition, right? So it's not a Netflix original, right? Now, um, as with any business, they will prioritize their own films. So if you see a Netflix original or you see a Netflix present, then they will put real money behind it. So they will do the premieres, they will do the, you know, 
um, sponsored posts. They'll push it and push it and push it. As was a licensing deal, so we had to do our own marketing. So, but the good thing for us, I mean, I'm, I'm really so so grateful for the actors. Oh, by the way, I can see quite a number of them here. Um, um, I mean, the actors really supported the push, the um, the media as well, you know, because Madame Kweko is is an authentic uh, Nigerian, really African urban legend. So a lot of media, we had a lot of free media support, um, radio stations, TV, uh, print media, blogs, you know, they pushed and they pushed and they pushed. Um, yeah, so Netflix will will push more for their original content. So we had to we had to do the heavy lifting on this one. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, I, that makes sense. Um, this is the title of this your, your film is called The Origins, um, Madam Koiko. The color after um, the origins. Um, are there other origin stories you have in the canon? Um, is that what uh, you're hinting at? No, what we're hinting at is it's actually two things. One, there are other origin stories. I mean, you know, the, I mean, Nigeria has so many urban legends, so there are others. But then we're also looking at this is the origin, Madame Coin Coin. We can then now go on. I mean, if you see the way we ended it, uh, we left room for a sequel, right? So we can now do a sequel that is now just Madame Coin Coin. So then explore the different aspects of this legend, the different aspects of this myth. Um, I mean, there are so many variations. If you go to the East, you hear one version. If you go to the South, you hear another version. If you go to Ghana, for example, you hear a different version. If you go to Kenya, it's a different version. So we can then um, go and now do um, a series, you know, where we can then explore the different aspects of uh, this myth. Okay. Um, so from your end, what has the audience feedback uh, felt like, especially from your end, especially really we have a small corner of the internet where we, we you know, I, can, I, I know what our people feel like, but like from your end, just uh, obviously you would have heard from much more, many more people. What, what has it felt like? Um, give me both after chapter one and after chapter two. Okay, so um, the response to chapter one was, I mean, mind-blowing for me, you know. Um, I mean, you see films come on Netflix, they start at, I mean, they enter top 10, they start at maybe number eight, and then they gradually work their way up. I mean, this film opened straight at number one, and I was shocked, like, wow, really? You know, and then the feedback has, has been so, so good. Um uh, I mean, there are people who are upset about certain things in the film, uh, but overall, the, the response has been fantastic. I mean, way, way beyond what I what I could even have hoped for. You know, so, I mean, I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm really loving it. I mean, conversations every day, you know. Um, now, some, uh, some, some, I saw something some actors did where they take scenes from the movie and they try to recreate it. And it's, it's been really, really good. Really, really good. The young actor who played uh, Lachey was almost mobbed when he went to drink somewhere with his friends. You know, uh, I mean, that tells you people have watched this film. And that, means tell, that tells you that people really connect with the, with the things that happened in this film. And, uh, and then the nostalgia value as well. Um, people have, I mean, people have watched this film in my village, in Bayelsa, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, so the response has been really, really encouraging. All right, no, uh, that's that's good. All right, um, so there, there were some obviously criticisms that came through, and um, uh, we're probably going to touch on just a couple of them. Um, so I, I guess, like, one of the first things that we one of the first things I wanted to ask was whether do you feel there's a line that we uh, there's a line we should not cross in filmmaking in terms of um, uh, some things maybe we should not show or is there um, or we should censor or is this something that uh, is it a context thing or do you think there's no line at all um, where like you know a filmmaker should filmmaker should be able to do whatever they want to do 
Um, I, I think censorship is a slippery slope, right? Um, I mean, we all live in Nigeria where the average government official is a stark raving armed robber, um, yet they get so moralistic about certain things, you know? Um, so I, 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 I think censorship again like i mentioned is a very slippery slope and we need to be careful you know how we use that word especially as it relates to art right now having said that um you don't just wake up and go about trying to offend people right um you don't go around trying to belittle people's suffering you don't go around trying to belittle people's pain um you also have to be sensitive to uh, people's lived experiences, right? Um, so what we tried to do was to focus on the myth, the legend, and we asked ourselves, what could have motivated this thing, right? What could have motivated this spirit? And, I mean, we spent quite a lot of time agonizing about this. And, I mean, I, I know the scenes to which you are referring and uh, incidentally, the act, the actress herself is, is is here. She's actually listening. And we did, we did everything to make things easy for her. We did everything to uh, make her feel comfortable before we did that scene. And um, so, yes, I, I get you. Censorship is not something I take lightly. At the same time, you don't go around um, trying to belittle people's pain you don't you don't deliberately go around trying to offend people's sensibilities that that's what i'll say to that no i, I agree with you there um, completely um it's especially given our context um as you, you rightly pointed out with the way governments uh, the government moves um, um and yes uh, to some degree to some degree also is worth taking into people taking into context people's sensibilities so i guess like one of the one of the pushbacks that we had from in in our section and i think myself included in this was like um we had um especially i i liked that I like that um, we decided to go go, and one of the things that I loved about this was the use of practical effects, and you know we saw some some blood. But it seemed one of the parts for us that felt um, uneven was like it felt that we had um, concern, we didn't get the gore or the the killings works. I, I think one of the things I said was like it would have been nice to see maybe Madame Koi Koi like. Like really tear some limbs apart uh, yeah, and like you know, rip, rip out, move people's limbs spines. left, right, and center. But it felt <laughs> like um, we didn't we didn't get that. But so yes, they, but there they was died too they died right? they did easily and uh, it did not feel satisfying. And I think just for for me, one thing that would have alleviated some of the um, sexual assault pushback because one of the, the, the pushbacks like there's a lot of concentration on it where it might not feel necessary is that. We didn't even get like these other things that where would have gone. Oh, maybe it's, it's just that kind of film where it's gory and you know, like you know, like there's the killings are crazy. Just if you're not, if you have a soft belly, just don't go around this one. But if you do, but like I guess the uh, for us, we felt there was uh, unevenness with how the gore was treated and how the sexual assault was treated. Okay, I mean, I get that people wanted a bit more gore, but um, again, I've um, earlier I tried to explain some of the challenges we had. Um, again, remember that even though your film is going to Netflix, you still have to censor it in Nigeria. Well, censor the the it's actually called the National Film and Video Censors Board, even though what they really do is classification, right? Uh, so they still have to you still have to get that censorship certificate. Right, and if you look at the rating, you see sixteen plus. Now, um, I I am a I am a uh, horror buff. I mean, I love horror films. Um, at the same time, uh, if it's I think sometimes excessive gore can for some people can be a put off as well. 
you know. Um, so we did the the practical effects of the blood, the slashed throats, the smashed faces, and and all that. Um, and yes, I understand some people want more, but I'm sorry we didn't give them that. <laughs> you know, uh, my apologies. No, um, no, I, I, I hear you on like sometimes not going overboard on those things, but it's it's even. It's not really even a case of more gore. It's just so that it feels balanced, like it feels like the same movie. Because it feels like, even though, like, I know that there was still um, slash necks and, like you said, smashed faces in there. But cutting away from the violence almost feels like, again, you're trying to censor. And so, like, I guess on the other hand is, like, is if you, if you've said, if you sense, if you, don't show that violence. Do we need to see the sexual violence part as well? Because we could have as well done that, like, like you know, we could have okay, as well okay, done the like let's, that. Let's address this. Let's address mm. this. Right? Um, I went to university in Port Harcourt, right? Um, and as we know, apart from university, apart from secondary school, in the daily lives of people, women are sexually assaulted virtually every day right um it's i mean some i i personally believe nigeria has a rape culture so now trying to tell me to sort of gloss over it i think it's a disservice to the victims right so like i mentioned before we did that scene we had a long talk with the actress she's not a child she's an adult uh, she read the script and we had a long talk and we were like, if you're not comfortable doing this, let's not do it. Let's not do this. Right. And she said she could do it. She's here. You can ask her. Uh, now, the scene in question, I timed it. Right. The first sexual assault scene, the entire thing is two minutes, actually one minute, 57 seconds. And immediately it looked like, you know, penetration was going to happen we cut right there were she was never exposed right now that's on in on, in in the part of the actor but we needed to show her in that situation where which women find themselves who are victims of sexual assault where they lose agency you know people who are much stronger than them more powerful than them overpower them and commit this violence, sexual violence against them. That's the reality, right? And that's what a lot of women have suffered. I know a woman whose doctor, you know, assaulted her in the hospital. So I, I think, I think um, as much as it's triggering for people, we, we just wanted to show that this is enough motivation to want to kill right and that motivation had to have a, a focus that motivation had to have had to have a it, it, it couldn't be glossed over i don't know if i don't know if i'm making any sense yeah right i, I think that it, know, it, it, it's, it's something too too serious it's a, it's a real problem we have in the society and we were trying to show that this is a really, really terrible thing. And there's so many women who are suffering, not just the act itself, but also the aftermath, where they are blamed, where they are accused of somehow being um, responsible. Oh, what did you wear? Why did you go there? Right? Um, and then you saw the mother superior's character, who is a woman in authority, who is supposed to help this but instead, you know, she makes her feel like somehow she was she had a to play in her own assault, right? And so that that's what we tried to do. We were not trying to. I mean, if you notice, there was no actual body parts shown. At no time was anybody, um, you know, exposed or anything. And but we just wanted to show that this is a terrible thing and something has to be done about it even though in our case we had to use supernatural means to exact revenge yeah all right okay i understand, understand what you're saying with it. it's just that 
um, I would say we could apply that to the murders, um, and and then we would, and then we would, you know, had have have the because like it feels like it's one way for this, but it's not quite the same way for showing the kills. Which again, even like for Madame Koiko, I actually would I think her sexual assault makes sense in the context of the film because she's the one who takes on revenge. Like you said, she's the one who is going to go on to kill, but. It becomes it becomes un, seems like it it generally exists or maybe I missed something but it seems like it only exists to for one to show that um, uh, mother superior uh, mother superior has been covering all of these um, I guess uh, all these atrocities which is very strong I, I thought like that was the strongest part of of um, of the film is is looking at it from the covering of of um, of all these terrible things by 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 um, authority by authority figures, especially religious authority figures, um, it just it feels a little short when when uh, it just I, I I never I never saw the point for Ibukun uh, for it for it to happen to Ibukun um, and and it to be that uh, graphic, but if you're saying you know you wanted to show it, it's just like I'm. I, I know what an audience will hear. I know what like some of the people who had issues uh, will it will hear. It's like it feels like it's one thing for for um, for uh, the the sexual rape scenes, but another thing for the the, the murders. Sorry, I don't I don't get the question. So the, the I'm I'm saying like someone who has the people the kind of person has had an issue with the uh, sexual assault scene, especially of, of Ibukun's character, not Madame Koike, because again, like I think Madame Koike is uh, is somebody who tries to avenge what happened to her, but Ibukun's character it didn't seem like it needed to be that long um, or needed to be that graphic because we don't really justify it being that long. And uh, what I'm saying is that like, if you have it in there and you're saying, we just need to show what happens and how difficult this can be. We can show that also for, uh, for, for the killings. Um, we can show it just to keep the consistency because now it looks like um, focus, the focus, it just feels like, it feels like the focus is now off, but that's, I, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't actually have to answer to that because you, you feel like you've said enough. I'm just pointing out where somebody's going to have an issue. Um, is that they're going to feel? Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the other thing is that in so in your in your role as the producer and people, if you want to ask your your questions, please. Uh, this is the time. Uh, you can request to speak or you can drop it in the um, in the comment section. Uh, but as your role as a producer for Madame Koike, when does it finish, and what does that look? When does it finish, and what does what does it look like? Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, this is the origin story. So my work actually doesn't end, right? Um, so what I'm looking for now is okay, um, the next film, the next series, the next film, the next thing. Um, we have this property, it's ours, we've, we've built it out, we have this IP, so what's next for this IP? So that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm looking for, that's what I'm pushing for. So, um, so my job isn't over, it doesn't end essentially. So this, this phase, phase one, the origin has ended, right? The origin has ended, but Madame Koiko hasn't ended. Well, so my job... Sorry? You have not been paid, how can it be over? Who told you I've not been paid? Ah, you said. <laughs> you said you have oh, not. I've not, have not, have not collected my own fee. Okay. Oh, I thought I mean, that's what, okay. 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 No, I've right. not collected my own producer fee. It doesn't mean I've not been paid. Not okay. Been paid. All right. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's, it it seems like uh, more more um, producer more fees are going to be dispersed. Um, but anyway, let's let's hear um, some questions from the audience members. And again, if you do want to ask questions, if you don't want to come up, then you can just uh, comment underneath. Uchenna, um, please uh, go on and ask your question. Uchenna, are you there? Yes, I am. Just a moment. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, first of all, uh, to Michael, I want to congratulate you for the success um, of the movie. It's been very encouraging. And every time that I see movies like this doing great on these international platforms, it's, uh, it's quite inspiring. And we hope that uh, future movies do even better. So um, I think I have kind of a two-part question that is uh, that revolves around your relationship with Netflix. So um, over the past few years, I felt a growing sense of despair about the future of Nigerian filmmaking because of the uh, the central position of theatrical distribution. And when I look at the the box office numbers, you know, it just makes me extremely gloomy because what it says to me is that uh, if we rely on the cinemas, Nigerian cinema cannot um, progress beyond a certain level because it is just imprudent to uh, make a movie that costs more than a certain amount. You, you just said 30 million. I was even thinking higher than that originally. I was thinking like 50. So uh, people looked to the streamers as the savior. And I've also been a bit pessimistic about that too, because from all I hear, Netflix in particular, I can't talk about Prime, seems to be shortchanging uh, Nigerian filmmakers um, when you uh, correlate it to how much traffic they get for Nigerian content. You know, I mean, when you look at Nigeria in particular, in terms of its population or the size of its audience, I mean, I talk a lot about the, the, the movies on YouTube and, you know, the massive numbers that they get. So obviously we have the audience, but the question is nobody can figure out how to monetize it. And we thought that the streamers would be the way, but they don't really seem to pay as much as they would pay um, content from other countries that doesn't perform as well. So the question I want to ask you was whether you feel satisfied with your recoupment efforts and the compensation that you receive from Netflix. Second part of my question. Okay, uh, I don't know if this is a fully formed question. You said that uh, you started shopping to Netflix and Prime after you had already completed the work. So it's not as if they were involved in any way in the production. But I was interested in, um, you know, a question I've always had is about the kind of, notes that Netflix gives in terms of the casting. Um, because, you know, being that they're so data and algorithm dri- driven, you know, I just wonder if they feel that there are certain, uh, there's certain Nollywood talent that has to be in everything. Um, I mean, of course, that's no different from the star system in any uh, film industry anywhere in the world. But with Netflix, uh, with Netflix Niger, it just seems as if there's a very small core of actors that they seem to want to have in every movie. So when I saw your movie, I won't lie. I mean, when I saw Damien Okono, who is, make no mistake, a very fine actor, anybody would be glad to have him in their production. But oftentimes when I just see him, I just always wonder, okay, is that a Netflix mandate that he was cast in that? But since you said that you didn't talk to Netflix before you did any of the production, obviously that's not the case. But was it something that you even thought about? Or is it just you just liked him because he's a great actor? Sorry, can, can you be concise so that I know exactly what I'm answering? Okay, I, because I'm, I'm I think sorry, you've said quite a few things. Let, let, okay, let me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me just break it down to the two basic points. Number one, are you happy with the money that you got from Netflix? Does it make it worthwhile considering what you spent on the production? Number two, does your uh, intention to market via Netflix or Amazon Prime affect your decisions with the casting and i'm speaking specifically about for example Demi, who you know that you always see a lot of complaints about how these netflix movies always seem to have the same actors and Demi is the number one of amongst them all so i'm asking is he there because he's a great actor which he is or is, are there some considerations like okay Demi makes it more marketable to netflix okay to answer your first question um like um it was mentioned earlier, I used to be a banker and we can never have enough money, right? So <laughs> um, unless Netflix paid me $10 million, I will still tell you I'm not happy with the money, right? So there's that. Um, 
So what you are alluding to, I think what they pay is a function of your markets. If we want, if as Nigerians, if we want more, um, if we want to, to have better negotiation, I think first we have to really, really develop our earning capacity in Nigeria. So the Korean market, they pay a lot more like because they have a huge TV market, right? In India, the TV, the TV market is three times the size of the cinema market. So again, um, I, I won't speak to Netflix on why they pay what they pay. It's, I think it's a function, one, of your market and two, a function of your negotiation and the content, right? Because I can tell you that what we were paid was quite a bit more than what some other people have been paid. Um, on the second question, um, we didn't, we, 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 we just, we chose the actors based on the story and the kind of performances we wanted, right? And so that was the, for, for us, that was the driving force. I mean, the lead, the lead character in, in, in our film was a, a young lady called Martha. I can bet you've never seen her before, right? Uh, Ireti Doyle, who is a fantastic, fantastic, you know, top-notch, top-notch. I mean, if you, if you, you won't count three actors, female actors in, in Nigeria, to me, that Ireti Doyle will not be amongst them, right? Ireti Doyle was not lead. Um, Choma Akota was not lead, Omar Midada was not lead. I mean, these are people who their award cabinets are almost one whole room, right? So my point is, we chose based on story. We chose based on the best casting we we thought um, we 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 needed for this film. That's that that's my answer. Um, again, because I didn't do a commissioned job, right? Um, I don't. I can't speak to whether they tell people to put this actor or that actor. I, I can't speak to that. I can speak for my own. We chose based on the story, based on the the characters. All right. Thank you, Uchenna. Um, if you have another question, uh, we'll ask you after Lori. Lori, um, ask his question. Lori, do you have a question you wanted to ask me? Oh yeah. Um. Good evening. Um, sorry, quick question. Um, okay, I have two questions rather. Um, first is, was there a test screening done before the movie was before the movie was done? Like, was there a test screening with anonymous people to give you feedback about the movie? And the second one, I don't know why I'll call this a question, but the movie kind of feels predictable, and you can classify it as a, you can say that the movie is an horror is an horror movie, right? But it feels predictable from like the get go. Like we already knew, like, okay, this is a girl. And um, okay, I can't remember the new character's name, but but I think one thing missing, one thing that horror movies always have is that plot twist, like throw the audience away from what they were, what they were expecting. So I think I don't know whether you're comfortable with the movie being predictable, or I don't know whether you knew it was predictable. But from the audience point of view, it was kind of predictable. Uh, yeah, that's all. Thanks. Uh, so, sorry, what was your first question? Because the second, the second isn't a question. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. The first one was the first one was was there a movie a test screening done with anonymous people to either watch it then give you feedback on what they saw? Anonymous, no. But there was a test screening with some industry professionals. Okay. So, yeah. Um, personally, I'll. Okay, I don't know. This is just my own personal belief, but I think most test screenings should be done with anonymous people with different age groups and different people, so you can have a like more understanding of what you're producing and what you're. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you what to do. I'm sorry to make it sound weird, but I, I noticed that most Nigerian movies don't do that. They don't like they always show it among them friends, and there's always that kind of little bias kind of that's always there. Nobody will really give you exactly what they feel. So I just, I just, but I noticed like, I just felt like there was not, I just felt it when I watched it. So I'm sorry, I hope it doesn't offend. I'm not trying to offend you or anything. No, 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 no. I, I came of my own free will. Uh, I'm in my house. <laughs> if you don't like me, come and beat me as a, a former CBN governor used to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, regarding your second, well, your, your, the point, uh, it's not really a question. 
um, that you felt it was predictable. Well, maybe it was predictable to you. But again, remember, this is the origin story of a known character. Everybody knows who Madame Koikoi is. Everybody knows what she does, right? So it, it's not exactly a whodunit, right? So it's not like, oh, who is killing these people? We all know from the beginning. It's in the name, Madame Koikoi, right? So, yeah. No, 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 I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Madame Koikoi. I'm not talking about the Koikoi as a, I'm talking about the other characters. Like, I was actually expecting the police officer to actually be the relative of the guy that raped the Madame Koikoi when she was alive. Then probably the girl was just a relative and she was, I don't know, does something to throw people off. I don't know, like, does throw them off. Throw them off. They'll be like, everybody will be surprised and be like, oh, okay, wow, we didn't see that I mean, coming. I, I, yeah. I understand what you're saying, Larry. Tiffany, part of what um, I think after we saw chapter one, uh, one thing we did was we asked people to make predictions about chapter two. And uh, a lot of people sort of guessed the tie, but the tie was more or less, you know, some people guessed, guessed the tie. Only one person did like a prediction that um, that was you know pretty good and specific and th that i don't think the film particularly foreshadowed but sometimes that's not a bad thing because i think also one of the things that nollywood films are capable of doing is doing the most random plot twists where you haven't sowed any seed and uh you just want to reap but i also understand what you're saying in terms of like a lot of um i think some, you know some people felt they were looking for a little bit more oomph and uh, um, up, up in the in the chapter two, but yeah. Anyway, I, I get what you're saying. I also understand that it it doesn't it doesn't particularly need to happen. All right, let's just move on to uh, the next question uh, from Creative Fingers. Creative Fingers, uh, do you want to ask your question? Yeah, can you hear me, please? Yeah. Okay. Good evening. Um, I want to say. Um, Congratulations to the producer because this particular film is captivating, you know, so it takes the audience's attention. Great job. But my first question is, do you think um, there could be more story development? And if you do, do you see how the main character was absent? Because I know Madame Koiko is the main character, but then she is only the physical world because of the new girl in the school. And then um, this rape scene is supposed to be um, a catalyst, right? That causes Madame Koikoi to react or that causes something bad to happen. But then the main character was absent and wasn't connected to the girl that went through this, you know, and then there was no conflict. They were not even trying to go back to back with the corporates. Right, so that we could have that tension and everything, because there was so much potential with the idea, captivating. But then the main character was not established thoroughly, in my opinion, right? Because if Madame Koiko is the main character and we know that she's in the school or she's present now because of the new girl, then the new girl is the main character. And then we needed to see her, you know, use physical powers, use her intelligence, use these supernatural powers that she's hiding or doesn't know where it's coming from. You know, let's see a merge. I don't know, but I feel like with the attention you already have and with the plans to keep it going, do you think the story really needs more attention to developing development, right? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm a bit confused. The young girl who came into the school does not have supernatural powers. She, I mean, she, she is the bloodline of one of the initial attackers. And so her coming back into the town is what started this new wave of killings. So um, I'm, I'm not sure, except I'm not getting you right. But let me come in there quickly. So I'm, 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 I'm giving this feedback based on what was shown. You see, there were several instances where um, Madame Koi Koi could would do something and then um, and then she would she would wake up from a sleep, right? So it felt like she would wake up with sweats and all of that. So it felt like she was, um, it felt like something was going on in her unconscious, right? So it, it, what, what I understood was that Madame Koi Koi was operating with our unconscious, right? Because why else would she be 
Oh, no, 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 no. She was yeah, dreaming. So, so it it's simply a nightmare. It was said several times. She was having nightmares of no, being so chased. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Great oh. fingers. Great fingers. I, I look. I think what you miss is not even from club um, discussions on this. Um, it's just like want to keep the questions a bit more concise. Um, yeah. So he, the question concise from the start is like, do you think the the story? Can, I mean, with the fact that you want to go ahead, do you think you should pay attention to development more so that because the complaints from the audience is majorly because there are some parts of the story are not fully developed like the main character the main character is fine the main character is very fine all right um Uchenna, did you have uh, a question you wanted to ask all right yeah if, if... I, might, I might have one unless we're ending i might have one later but at the moment we're, we're, we're ending we're ending uh, now um michael's been generous at his time i just I was hoping to keep this concise so um yeah no the did you did you have a question you wanted to ask now um i can't really do it right now so um that's all right okay okay all right and um, thanks um all right. Um, no, generally, uh, thanks, Michael. There's one, I guess, final question. Uh, what's uh, what's your hope for uh, the future, especially in terms of the stories you talk about? Uh, future development. You say your job has not has not ended. Uh, what's what's your hope in terms of? In fact, actually, what do you think the audience can do, or what do you what do you think you can do? What do you think the audience can do for you? What's your hope for the future in terms of uh, Madame Koi Koi? Um, so we we want to we want to call attention to authentic Nigerian stories. Um, one of the things we we've seen with the Koreans is they tell Korean stories in Korean. They don't even bother speaking English. They tell Korean stories. But these stories are so well done that they travel around the world and we're all happy watching them, right? So um, for me, what we want to do is take this, I mean, that's why we called it the origin. Take this story and now go and explore all the different aspects, all the different versions, all the different um ways and and you know the, the the things that we've heard um madame koi koi do um so that that for me is the next thing um incidentally i don't know if you have a few minutes some of the actors are here nene is here martha is here uh who's this oh firecracker is here so you may want to let them speak on you know at their experience and you know what what they what they hope to see going forward because they are part of this journey with us uh i'm not sure if if they have if they have anything they want to say uh please so guys, guys, just feel free you to, have to, you to say just indicate um kevin i see kevin as well uh, any oh, of you kevin, yeah. um, uh, um and and i'll ask anyone uh, I'll ask one question whilst the um, um the uh, the uh, making up their mind if they if they don't want to come up, that's also fine. Uh, have you seen um any of the S sixteen stuff like Juju stories? Uh, Michael. Hello, Michael. Are you on mute? Hello, yes, sorry. Uh Juju stories. Yeah. The Sorrel, Sorrel 16 um, Collective. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I have. Okay, okay, all right. Um, yeah, it, I was, I was, um, the aspects of um, some of the stories that are reminding me of, um, you, uh, of Madame Koiko, they also like to talk about um, um, this, the, um, this connection between the spiritual and the physical. Obviously, they did um, Juju stories, which is like, Dealing with some of our um, some of our more darker yeah. myths, yeah, I know yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, um, I I thought the I, 
I was wondering whether the, I'm sure this was probably in the works before, but I was wondering whether they were part of when maybe seeing something like that is also part of the, but as part of the ecosystem, it's part of inspiration, it's part of encouragement, it's part of um, support. Um, I wouldn't say it was. I mean, but but again, everything adds, right? Every little drop adds. The more people explore um, these different genres, our, our authentic stories, the better for all of us, you know. Um, for example, now, because we've done Madame Koi Koi and it's, I mean, the audience response has been so good. It's going to encourage other people to begin to take more risks, um, to do stories, to do themes that are not, you know, considered, uh, quote and unquote, mainstream. So it all adds up. It all adds up. That's 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 the way I look at it. All right. No. Um, well, in the absence of uh, people coming up, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Thanks for answering our questions. Thanks for giving us your time. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best for the futures um, of uh, all Madame Koi Koi and any other production-related uh, activities. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. And thanks, guys, for everyone who joined us. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for the people who asked questions. Um, and thanks. When we will uh, next week, we're back with discussing movies. We will be discussing um, a new Netflix original. Um, so uh, hope to see you there. And uh, bye bye. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed listening and would like to join live, just follow us on Twitter at Iroko Critic and join us every Sunday, 6 p.m. West African time on our spaces.